Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. With the opening of this first seal, you have the beginning of the end. And at the moment that the seal is opened, the final seven years of history as we know it begins. And history as we know it has been a long, failed attempt by mankind at self-rule. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Revelation. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Revelation chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, in a message titled, The Beginning of the End. Now, here's Pastor Brian. I've entitled the message, The Beginning of the End. And that's really what we're dealing with here as we come to this sixth chapter, the first verse, and the opening of these first four seals. Remember, there's a, in the right hand of of God sitting upon the throne, there's a scroll that is written, and it's sealed front and back with seven seals. No one's worthy to open the scroll, to loose the seals. John is weeping convulsively, but then he's pointed toward He's pointed toward the Lord Jesus. The the elder says, don't weep. The lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. And he can take the scroll. He can loose the seals. John looks there in the midst of the throne, and he sees a lamb as it had been slain. And there Jesus takes the scroll out of the Father's hand. And so now he begins to open that scroll. And that's where we pick up here in the account. And with the opening of the first seal, we have the beginning of the tribulation period. So from from this point forward, all the way through the middle of chapter 19, we are now going to be in the tribulation period. That's what we're dealing with now. That's what we've come to in the book. So we had the second and the third chapter, which dealt with the things of the church, the history of the church. And then we have that John being caught up into heaven. The, uh, the 24 elders are there. I think that's representative of the church being there. And so the rapture has already taken place. And now this tribulation period begins. So what is the tribulation? Well, the tribulation is an unprecedented time of death and destruction. That's what it is. And that's why it makes, you know, teaching these passages so difficult. It is a time of death and destruction like has never been seen before. There has never been anything like it before, and there will never be anything like it again. Jesus described it like this. He said in Matthew 24, he said, for then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. No flesh would be saved unless those days are shortened. So this, as I said, it's an unprecedented time. Nothing has has ever occurred like what is going to happen in the tribulation period. Now, to date, the Second World War 
is by far the greatest war in history in terms of human resources expended. In all, 61 countries with 1.7 billion people, which was three-fourths of the world's population at the time, took part in some way, shape, or form in the Second World War. It is estimated that between 60 to 80 million people lost their lives due to that war. That, that is almost incomprehensible. And for you know, a few of you, perhaps you, you lived during that time or you know, many, many of you lived during that time, but some of you might have, you know, we still have a few people that actually were engaged in the actual conflict. But, but everybody knows from the historical account that World War II was the war to end all wars in a sense. But the amazing thing is that it pales in comparison to what we read about in scripture concerning the great tribulation. So you take the death and destruction of the second world war and you multiply that many times over and you have perhaps begun to get close to what we're talking about with the great tribulation. Now, with the opening of this first seal, you have, as I said, the beginning of the end. And at the moment that the seal is opened, the final seven years of history as we know it begins. And history as we know it has been a long failed attempt by mankind at self-rule. That's really what history has been. So, so the opening of this, this first seal is the, the beginning of that final effort on the part of humanity to once and forever throw off any, any ties to, to a deity, any ties to God, and, and it's the final effort at self-rule, and it will fail more miserably than any previous attempt. And so these will be the final seven years of history as we know it. They will be the most disastrous years the world has ever known. This will ironically be the most short-lived kingdom ever in all of history. It will be a worldwide uh, empire, but it will last only seven years. Now, it is the time of God's judgment. That's what the tribulation is. It's the day of the vengeance of our God. When Jesus was in the synagogue in the city of Nazareth where he grew up, we read there in Luke chapter four that he, he took the scroll of Isaiah and he opened it and he read it. And he read these words. It said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to bring sight to the blind, to preach deliverance to the captives and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then Jesus stopped in mid-sentence. If he would have continued reading, it would have said, and the day of the vengeance of our God. But the first coming of Jesus brought about the acceptable year of the Lord. And now we know that that acceptable year of the Lord has gone on for 2,000 years now. 
And it's been a time of grace. It's been a time of mercy. It's been a time where God is not imputing the sins of people uh, to them and judging them directly, but he's given men and women this long season of grace and opportunity to repent. But there's a moment when all of that is over and then begins the day of the vengeance of our God. And that's really what the tribulation is. It's the day of God's wrath poured out upon the earth. Now, here in the the verses that we read, we have these uh, four horses with their riders, the opening of the first four seals. These horses and riders have, have been referred to as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The apocalypse, remember, is another, it's actually the Greek form of the word revelation. I think that in, back in the 80s, I think somebody wrote a book called The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. But as we look at these, these first four, the seals are opened. And, and just with these seals, you have these four horsemen. We see the beginning and the, the continuation of the judgment of God upon the earth. Now, just real quickly, when you look at the, the seven seals, remember that this is a seven sealed scroll. Jesus is beginning to open the seals. And as you go through and you look at the seals, you come at the end, when you get to the seventh seal, you are introduced to seven trumpets. And then you go through and you come to the seventh trumpet. And when you get to the seventh trumpet, you come to the seven bowls. Now, rather than seeing these in in like a chronological order, that first you have the seals, then you have the trumpets, then you have the bulls, I think a a better way to understand it is each one of them are describing the same period of time, but it's just a, a different perspective. So the seals are giving you kind of the view from, from above, kind of the flyover view. So you're, you're getting not a detailed account of, the, of this period, but you're, you're just getting kind of the, the panoramic of, of what's going to be happening during this time. When you come to the trumpets, you get a, a closer look. And when you come to the bulls, you get a very detailed look. So it's the same period of time, I think. It covers this entire seven-year period, but it's just going from a sort of a looking at it from a distance to looking at it more closely, finally. And so we start with the first seal being opened. And in verse two, it says, and I looked and behold, a white horse and he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. So the big mystery is who, who is on this horse? It's a white horse. Uh, There's a person with a crown. They go forth conquering. They have a bow. Some have said, well, this, of course, is Jesus Christ. This is the Lord coming back. But there's a couple of problems with that. The first problem is Jesus is the one opening the seal. So it's not likely that he's the one both opening the seal and riding the first horse. Now, the reason some people think that it's Jesus is because there's a very similar picture in Revelation chapter 19, a, a white horse coming from heaven, a rider with a crown, but there are some differences, but that Revelation chapter 19 is definitely Jesus. It's the, it's the second coming of Christ to the earth, and there's similarities, but there are major differences. Why are there similarities? Because the first one, the one that we're looking at here, is the false Messiah. 
You see, a false Christ has to look somewhat like the real Christ in order to deceive people. And so even some Bible commentators have been kind of deceived, you know, not in a total way, but, you know, they, they look at it and say, oh, well, it's the, it's the same thing. But no, it's not. What we have here in the opening of the first seal is we have the introduction of the Antichrist. The Antichrist is coming to power. Now, the Antichrist, most of you have, have heard the term the Antichrist. We commonly connect the, the word Antichrist to the book of Revelation, and understandably so, because we're talking about the Antichrist right now. But maybe you didn't know this, but the book of Revelation never uses the term Antichrist. The term Antichrist is found four times in the New Testament, and every time it's used by the Apostle John, but it's never used in the book of Revelation. And John speaks of a coming Antichrist in the singular sense. We know that the Antichrist will come, he said, and there are many Antichrists that have already come. So John designated, he recognized that there would be one that would come. And that, that's the one that we're reading about here. Now, Antichrist in the Greek, it doesn't only mean someone who's against Christ, but it means even more than that, it means someone who is in the place of Christ. So he's a false Christ, a pseudo-Christ. And this is the Messiah that the world will accept. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things. It says that he has a bow. In contrast to the picture in Revelation 19, the rider on the horse in Revelation 19, who is Jesus? He comes with a sharp sword. Now, in biblical language or biblical imagery, when you're talking about a battle, the sword is always the decisive weapon. So it says, like in the Old Testament, for example, you read, uh, and they, they smote them by the edge of the sword. It means that they wiped them out with a sword. So the sword was always the, the, the decisive weapon to destroy the enemy. Jesus comes wielding a sword. But here, the writer has a bow. Now, the bow, of course, is a weapon, but the bow, although you could obviously kill somebody with a bow, the bow was, would more often wound a person than actually kill them. And I think what we're being told here is that this Antichrist, when he comes to power, he will not come to power primarily through military might. Even though there will be a military component, it won't be the primary way by which he gains power, he will gain power by diplomacy. He will gain power through legislation and things like that rather than gaining power militarily. Now, we're told about him that he's wearing a crown, but the crown here is different than the crown in Revelation 19. Jesus is wearing the diadem, which is the king's crown. This person is wearing the Stephanos, which is the victor's wreath. And so all of that to say, we're dealing here in the opening of the first seal with the, the Antichrist coming to power. And he's going to come to power primarily through diplomacy, and he is going to implement a worldwide peace of sorts. And if you think about it, I mean, what is the world looking for today? If somebody arose tomorrow that had a sure and certain method by which they could promise world peace, 
you know, the whole world would flock to that person. The world is desperate for a peace plan and for somebody that can bring peace. Well, that's exactly how this person is going to gain authority over the whole world. It's by bringing about a pseudo peace. And we'll get into all of the details of how this is going to happen the further we get into the book of Revelation. But that is basically what's going to happen. He's going to bring in a, a peace that is a worldwide peace. But as we move from the first horse and rider to the second, we see that it's a very short-lived peace because look what happens with the opening of the second seal. And when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come and see another horse, fiery red went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth. So in order to take peace, there has to be peace. So the, the Antichrist is going to come up with this peace plan, but it's going to be short-lived. And it's not going to be long before the whole thing starts to fall apart and the next horse and rider have the authority given by God to take peace from the earth and there's going to be war all over the world. People are going to kill one another and there was given to him a great sword. So the picture here is of war breaking out and the, the kingdom of the Antichrist beginning to fracture and to crumble very early on. And as we look at the whole period of time, it's a seven-year period. And how do we know it's a seven-year period? Because Daniel chapter 9 tells us that it's a seven-year period. There were 77-year periods determined upon the nation of Israel to bring to pass all of the, the prophecies concerning the Messiah and the nation and their eternal destiny. 69 of those seven-year periods were completed at the first coming of Christ. There's one seven-year period that remains for everything to be finalized. So that's how we know that it's a seven-year period. And it would appear that the, the peace part of this period is maybe the first three and a half years. Could be shorter. It could go all the way to three and a half years. We know at the three and a half year point, that's when all hell literally breaks loose. So it's a short-lived peace. War breaks out and then from there, moving on to the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come and see. So I looked and behold, a black horse and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures say, saying a quart of wheat for a denarius. A denarius is a day's wage. So as has always been the case, when you have, a, when you have war breaking out, famine usually follows war. And so that's what's going to happen. You're going to have war breaking out around the world. You're going to have famine as a result of it. It's going to cost a day's wage to just get enough for a loaf of bread for a day. So this brief reign of, of peace and, and obviously to some degree prosperity is going to end abruptly with war breaking out and then famine following the war. But notice it says something interesting. It says, it says, but do not touch the wine and the oil or the oil and the wine. And the oil and the wine were, they were luxuries in John's day. And so what it appears is that as is always the case, the common people suffer first 
and they often suffer the most, while those in places of power and position who are usually the ones responsible for all the misery in the world, they are kind of just, you know, still living the good life. And, and that's going to happen here initially. And you might wonder, well, why, why does God allow that? Because he is basically saving the severe judgment for those to the last. When we come to Revelation chapter 18, that's where we see the total obliteration of the culture of the rich and famous, if you will, and the elites who have dominated the masses over all of the long history of the world. It all comes to a a crashing end in the 18th chapter. And so from there, we come now finally to the writer. The fourth seal is opened and the rider of the, the pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was death. And Hades followed after him, and power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beast of the earth. Death and Hades. Death is speaking of the physical Hades is speaking of the invisible or the spiritual part of a person. So death and Hades together. The bodies are slain. The spirits are imprisoned. And that's why they're joined together here. And notice what it says. It says, and power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill. A fourth of the earth. So as we said in the beginning, the, the statistics from the, from the Second World War are just so massive. It's staggering to think of it. But we're talking uh, between 60 and 80 million people. Here, we're talking about a fourth of the world's population. In less than 10 years, the world's population will be 8 billion. And so we're talking a number of possibly 2 billion people. Can you imagine at the time of the Second World War, there were, there were less than 2 billion people on the entire planet. So when we look at these numbers, though, when we look at a fourth of the world's population, we're talking about the, the, the possible death and destruction of as many as 2 billion people. This is staggering. It's mind-boggling. It's, it's inconceivable, this kind of death and destruction. Anybody who lived through the Second World War, especially in the war zones of Europe or, or Japan, the devastation was unimaginable. And we've all probably seen the, the films and the, read the, the books and things. But again, all of this, is, as horrific as it was, it's going to pale in comparison. For the month of June, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled The Myth of Coincidence by John Bonner. Are you struggling to recognize the hand of God during difficult seasons of life? If you need a fresh reminder of God's presence in your present circumstances, or if you know someone who does, then you need to get this book. The Myth of Coincidence chronicles John Bonner's story of God's faithfulness and is full of devotional insights, scripture, and sections for reflecting upon how God is at work in your life. Dispel the myth of coincidence in your own story 
Get this book today. The book, The Myth of Coincidence by John Bonner, is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Revelation. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. Hi, this is Cheryl and Brian Broderson. And we wanted to tell you that we're going to Israel in October 2022. And we want you there with us. Yeah, the dates are October 23rd through November 4th. And this is going to be a tremendous trip. Cheryl, what's your favorite thing about Israel? I love the Galilee, but Brian... You and I both know there's so much because we love watching the Bible come alive, whether you're at Tel Aviv or you're at Jerusalem or Caesarea. Yep. Or Mount Mount Carmel. Carmel. Yes. We are so excited about this Israel trip because we absolutely love going to Israel. So we'd love to have you join us October 23rd through November 4th, 2022. And you can find more information at israel.cccm.com. We'd love to have you join us.